Hello, this is Jonathan back with Here in Simple Bibles podcast. Very grateful for your attention, grateful for the dedication you have to listening to these episodes. And this is part two of a great series that I've been uh, enjoying with Kevin Presley on the resurrection body. Now, last week we kind of got into it, and this week we are kind of going to finish it. So it's one conversation that's been broken down into two parts, and I'm very thankful for Kevin and for his dedication to the Lord and his dedication specifically to this topic. There's a lot of questions that I have that Kevin's going to answer, and I look forward to the second part of it with you. Let's jump back into the program, shall we? Moving into the next few verses, um, specifically verse 42 through 44, you, you bring up that there's a distinction between a natural and a spiritual body specifically, but it, it's not a spirit body. Right. That's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as a spirit body. You have a spirit that lives in a body, but you don't have a spirit body. Right. It's okay. a spiritual body, and well, there's a difference in those terms. Maybe you could illuminate it for me. What's a natural body? What's a spiritual body? Well, that's where we go to the context, and we let Paul explain okay. it. Um, Paul says, now, first of all, he talks about, you know, there are different types of bodies, terrestrial and earthly and so forth, and he uses right. that to contrast the body we have now in the resurrection body. And he says in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Now, it being the pronoun, what's the antecedent? Well, this body, this body, the, the who I am right now, this body is sown in corruption. This body gets sick, this body grows old, this body finally dies, and it decays. Mm -hmm. It, like a seed, is sown or planted in corruption. It is raised. Well, what's the antecedent of that it? Mm -hmm. The same the as the first it, right. the body. But it, but there's been a change. It's sown in corruption. Change takes place. Right. It is raised in incorruption. Okay. It will not be corruptible. It will not get sick. It will not die. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Well, what's the difference? Well, in... Uh, what is corruption, dishonor, and weakness? What does all that hearken to? Sin. We're under the curse of Adam. Mm -hmm. right. Now, of course, we reject Calvinism that says that we spiritually die because we've inherited Adam's sin. We don't believe that. Correct. But we have inherited the results or consequence of Adam's sin right. in physical death. And the world's been tainted by the sin that he introduced into the world, you know, so... But, but the curse of Adam and physical death is what is under consideration here, just mm -hmm. like it is in Romans chapter 5. And so our bodies now are in the state of dishonor and weakness and so forth because of the effect of Adam's sin and the curse that he introduced into the world. So this body is sown in dishonor. It is sown in weakness. It is sown in, uh, in um, corruption, but it is raised in the opposite of those things. So now he narrows it down to verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Does that mean there's one that's visible, one that's invisible? No, that's not what he's talking about. We'll let Paul explain it in verse 45. He says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening or life-giving spirit. So here we get into the contrast of the two Adams, mm -hmm. which, of course, is a fundamental thing to understand if we're really going to understand the gospel. Right. We are all the children or the progeny of Adam, and we are in the likeness. We are in the likeness of Adam here in this life. We have a body that we got from Adam. Now, God created Adam from dust, 
He took a handful of dust, so to mm -hmm. speak. He molded it into the body of Adam. He breathed right. into his nostrils breath of life. And what? Man became a living soul. Well, that's what he means here. He says the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. We all have descended from him. We have a physical body like his that consequently has been tainted by sin and the curse that Adam brought into the world. Therefore, we are subject to weakness and sickness and right. ultimately right. death. Then he says, there's a spiritual body. Well, that spiritual body comes from the second Adam. The last Adam, he says, was made a quickening spirit. What he's simply saying is that Jesus, being the second Adam, came to undo what the first Adam did. Mm. The first Adam brought death. Jesus came to bring resurrection. Right. We have right now a natural body that we got from Adam, and the resurrection we will have a spiritual body that we get from Jesus mm. that will be like him. And that will be where the curse is removed. And we will not have the various physical ailments and deformities and limitations and problems and ultimately the expectation of death that all mankind, saved or lost for that matter, have in Adam. Wow. Those verses are so powerful. They really are. Um, we're we're going to leave the picture of the seed, and I'd like to maybe talk to you a little bit about this pattern that we have in the Savior you know, with Jesus, when he appears in his resurrection body, he's able to be touched. Mm -hmm. uh, he's able to eat food. But at the same time, he's able to appear and disappear. He's able to pass through doors and walls. Mm -hmm. So there is a distinction there. And I think maybe in the past, that's where I've struggled with it. Um, so maybe a common question is, uh, or not question, but just a statement. I don't get it or I don't understand it. What would you say to somebody that goes, that just doesn't make sense? Well, I would say you're in very good company <laughs> because John said in 1 John 3 and verse 2, it does not yet appear what we shall be, uh, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Mm -hmm. So first of all, the fact that we don't understand the resurrection body, exactly what it will be, doesn't mean we should deny that we'll have one and right. that it will be an actual body. That's a good point to make. Well, Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean you should deny it. What we can agree upon is that, or should agree upon, I believe, is that Jesus had a body. Right. He had a body. They saw he wasn't a ghost floating around. Correct. You know, he wasn't an invisible spirit that nobody could see. He was, he had a body. Mm -hmm. Consequently, I believe he ascended to heaven in that body. I mean, there's no indication in Acts 1 that Jesus went up in the cloud and took his body off and, <laughs> you know, shucked his oh, body back to earth. Right. And he went, I believe he took a body to heaven. And that brings up an interesting point because people will say, well, how could you take a body to heaven? Right. Heaven is invisible. How do you know that? Well, I would I would even ask, well, what I thought flesh and blood couldn't inherit the kingdom of well, heaven. Well, this body as it exists now is not fitted for heaven. This body as it exists right now cannot. Okay. Inherit heaven. There has to be a change. But there's an interesting thing that Paul said over there in uh, is it Second Corinthians 12, where Paul had the vision 14 hour or 14, 14 years prior. Right. And you remember that he said, and he's talking there in the in the third person. But he says, "I knew a man, whether it was him, right. whether right. Or, he said he was caught up unto the third heaven into paradise." And he says, "Whether in or out of the body, I cannot tell." Hmm. Well, what Paul affirms in that passage is not whether or not he was in the body, but he does infer in that passage that it's possible to have been in the body. Okay. So, you know, when people say you can't take a body or anything literal, and we may not understand what literal is, but that you can't take a body to heaven. Well, how do you know that? Mm. 
how do we know that heaven is supposedly just some invisible place? I mean, I believe heaven is a real place. But I think it's of a different nature than this sin-corrupted earth. Right. And we will have to be changed to inherit it. But we'll still have a body. Jesus had a body. His disciples saw, they touched him. Right. He ate with them. Right. But like you say, there had been a change that took place. They were slow to recognize him, such as on the road to Emmaus. Uh, he could pass through walls and so forth. And there's a lot of that that's very mysterious, and I don't claim to be able to understand right. it. But I, like John said, he said, we do not know. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we'll be like him. And John took confidence in the fact that he one day and we all one day will have a body like Jesus. If I could just say this about seeds, when I look at a seed, I often don't know what it's going to turn into mm -hmm. unless it's at a package that says tomatoes or, you know, petunias. But whenever it becomes that, the next time that I, you know, look, let's, let's say it's a tomato and I cut it open and I see the seed inside of the fruit of a tomato plant. And I think, oh, of course, this is what it would become, because now I see that it's fulfillment. And as I look at this piece and I see where it started from. I have some experience in understanding it from this side to the other side. Mm -hmm. So for what it's worth, it, it does seem to make sense that once we are in that spiritual body, we'll be able to have full sight versus, you know, we don't have the hindsight presently. We just tell me about the perfection of the saints. Uh, if we go back to first Corinthians chapter 15, and I have a couple more questions for you. You know, I, I had, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about how we're, we're going to be identifiable, recognizable. You know, Jesus, even though it did take them a little bit of time, they, they were able to understand him. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm taking things a little out of order here. But let me just ask about our body being the same in the resurrection. What if, what if maybe I don't like my body? Or what if I have a deformity? Or what if there's something about me I don't like? And, and I think, oh, well, now I'm stuck with it for eternity. Bodies suffer pain. They suffer deformity. The problems that we have in this present flesh are the result of sin being introduced into the world. Okay. There have been, ever since the beginning of time and the original pair, genetic mutations. One brother objected to me using that term. He said use the term anomalies, but genetic anomalies, mutations. Sure. Choose the term you want to use. Um, and, and flaws and so forth. But if you think back to what the original pair were, how the, the God created Adam and Eve in a state of perfection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He first of all created them mature. Right. And he created them in a state of perfection. And anything that mars that perfection is the result of the curse of sin. Mm -hmm. And in the resurrection, we're going to be removed from this environment tainted by sin. We're going to be, the, the curse is going to be gone. And so, you know, I believe that, for example, in the resurrection, I believe we'll be of a mature age. I believe that we will be in a state to be able to perfectly and uh, wonderfully serve and praise God throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. We won't grow tired. We won't grow old. I think we'll be in a state of perfection that God would have had us be in had sin never come into the world. Hmm. To that point about age, uh, can't put a number on it then, I guess, right? It's just no. mature. Couldn't say, oh, I'm going to be my 
21-year-old self for all eternity. And I'm not overly dogmatic about that point. But, sure. but people ask me about that all the time. Well, will babies be babies for eternity in heaven, or will they be babies and grow? Well, I don't think we'll be affected by the aging process in heaven. Sure. Um, but I believe personally that we will be of a mature age, and whatever that age is, you know, we, but we go through a maturation process. We're born, we mature. Mm-hmm. And then we go over the hill <laughs> and things start breaking down and falling apart. Okay. I don't know how to define that age. Sure. But my view is that we will be of that perfect age and be of perfect strength to be able to serve God as he would will in heaven forever. Well, like you've you've said a couple times earlier, if I can have hope that or faith that there is God's creation power in Genesis 1, then I can have faith that he will give me the proper resurrection body you know that's right. i don't a need body to know as what it has pleased him uh-huh that's right um you have gone back to adam and eve several times in this and um you make a really neat connection here about adam to christ and i know the scriptures have are to have it at the forefront of this chapter but you mentioned in your notes that when adam sinned he died three way three ways and then there's this pattern of what happened with christ could you talk about that for a moment? I was listening to a preacher one night while I was driving, and he made this point, and it was just incredible. It was one of those moments where I was like, that is, that's it. <laughs> just an incredible point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sense, we well, Adam did die. He died spiritually, and he died eventually physically as a result of his sin. Right. So let's think about it. He died immediately in his spirit when he sinned. Mm-hmm. That's the consequence for anybody who commits sin, mm-hmm. um, we are cut off from God. God is holy, and right. as a result of what sin is and who God is, sin severs our fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's one definition of death. It's spiritual death is when we are separated from God. Yeah. So Adam died spiritually when he sinned. You might say that he died progressively in his being or in his soul because you don't have this picture of sin was just this faux pas, and Adam brushed himself off and picked himself up, and everything got better from there. Man learned his lesson. Right. You read particularly the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and what do you see? Yeah. Man's going down, it's down, downward down. Spiral. It's a downward spiral. And the world is in an absolute mess today because sin has existed in this world for thousands of years. Thanks be to God, Jesus has conquered over sin, and that in him we can have freedom from sin. But the effects of sin are still in this world. Right. And then eventually, it took hundreds and hundreds of years in that time, but Adam eventually died, and that was a direct result of his sin. And Mm -hmm. we are under that curse as well. But in Jesus, the second Adam, all of that is perfectly reversed Mm. because what happens when we obey the gospel? We're regenerated. We're regenerated. We rise to walk in newness of life. Mm -hmm. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in sins and trespasses, but he has quickened. That happens the moment that we rise with Christ forgiven of our sins. We're resurrected. That's the first kind of resurrection. Okay. And then you could say that throughout the Christian life that we are more and more being molded into the image of Jesus. Right. We become more and more alive as uh, the process of sanctification takes place within our heart and our life. And then ultimately, ultimately, and this is why I say that the doctrine of the bodily resurrection is a key component in the scheme of redemption, that ultimately our bodies will be redeemed. And, you know, people dismiss the doctrine and they say, well, that's interesting to think about or speculate about, but really it's it's peripheral, it's it's superfluous, but it's not. Mm Mm-hmm. 
It is a major hope of the gospel. The redemption of the body is an important component within the gospel. And the body is obviously important to God. He created it. And you know, you read like, for example, in Romans chapter uh, 8, is it down in verse, what, 23, I think? Uh And Paul said, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirits, even we are uh, of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Paul wrote to the Philippians. And, you know, he talked about hoping to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Well, he'd already experienced physical or mm-hmm. spiritual resurrection. Right. So he was still hoping to attain a resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. It's a major hope of the believer. Well, I hope this has been very healthy for people to hear, especially especially if they've just considered that we become spirits that are floating around in this invisible realm, etc. Mm-hmm. It's been very healthy for me. I just have a final question for you, and um, it's in the notes that you have in the conclusion. Uh, what about unbelievers? And maybe this is a good way for somebody listening to this who has not obeyed the gospel. This would be uh, important for them to hear. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for example, it would seem as though everything Paul is talking about applies to the believer and not to the unbeliever. But that's not necessarily true. The reason it seems that way when we read 1 Corinthians 15 is because Paul is writing to believers right. and his emphasis is on the hope of the resurrection. Right. But that doesn't mean there's not another side to the coin because Jesus plainly stated in John chapter 5, I uh, believe it was in Acts, is it Acts 24, where the apostle Paul spoke of the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. Right. So there's right. a resurrection for both. And in the resurrection of the unjust, it'll be a bodily resurrection just like the resurrection of the just. Now, Mm -hmm. I think this is important to point out. The curse of Adam that we are all under is the curse of physical death that was brought as a result of sin. Now, and that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. For example, in verse 22, he says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all die all be made alive. Mm-hmm. He's obviously talking about physical death there and not spiritual death. Right. Because all who die in Adam, in whatever sense Paul is referring to, all who die in Adam mm-hmm. will be made alive in Christ. Well, if he's talking about spiritual death, then you're affirming the doctrine of universalism, that everybody will be saved. Mm. Yeah. So Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about the fact that Christ is going to reverse the curse for all men. Everybody who has died in Adam will be raised in Christ. Right. But that doesn't mean they'll be raised to reward. Raised to what? Yeah. Some will be raised, Jesus said, unto life, and some will be raised to damnation or condemnation. Mm-hmm. And that's a very fearful thing, that you one day will stand before God and answer for your life and your rejection of Christ if you know you're not his in acts chapter 17 did we already talk about this in we this podcast? did I, you know, I didn't realize that that it was in the notes yeah. but it, it seems natural we kind of opened with it and now we get to end I, with I it. forget what we talked about <laughs> while i've been in your home this weekend and what we've talked about here in the last hour but yes that, that and paul affirms that in acts chapter 17 uh-huh. i believe to the athenians there yeah. on mars hill he says God has guaranteed a resurrection by the resurrection of Jesus. Right. And that was a warning to them that they needed right. to heed uh, the gospel, that they needed to um, turn to this God that they were ignorantly worshiping and did not know. 
it's neat that in his time there at the beginning of first Corinthians 15, it says eventually Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses. So in addition to Paul's testimony to those Greeks, there's going to be 500 people who could additionally testify. This isn't just a one man's crazy speech that he came, but we saw him. That's and right. so, you know, right. the, the, the evidence that we have as this large group of witnesses is that you'll stand in judgment if you don't believe the testimony of Paul. Well, it's an incredible thought that if we will have a resurrection body that will never die, that can spend eternity in heaven, whatever heaven is, mm-hmm. surround the throne of God, walk on a street of gold, whatever that consists of, whatever that image in the Bible refers to, if all of that is a reality for us to enjoy for eternity in a resurrected body, the horrors of hell await those who reject Christ in a resurrection body where there will be no physical cessation. That's right. And that's one of the reasons I believe in the eternality of hell and not the doctrine of annihilationism or conditional immortality. Yeah. It's a sober way to end it, but I think it's necessary. You know, you have to talk about the joys of heaven, but also the pains of hell for those that don't accept the gospel. I'm wondering if there's any other thing that we've missed. Is there a final word or a final scripture that you'd like to share with us before we end? Well, no, I would just say that I look forward to a time where I'll not have any aches and pains and won't get tired. I look forward. One of the greatest joys of my life is to sing and to think be able to sing with a perfect voice around the throne of God. Yep. And your voice never grow hoarse or tired, Mm -hmm. never grow old as song says when a million years have passed in that wonderful place you know i that's just a thrilling thrilling hope singing with brethren who many times i've not been able to sing because of language barrier is in addition to that i look forward to putting my arms around brethren whom i love but there's a difference between us now and that we can't understand each other i look forward to that common language singing for sure well, brother, thank you so much for coming on. I'm grateful for this. I hope it's helpful for others. It has been very helpful for me. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. I want to thank Brother Kevin for coming in and spending time uh, talking about the resurrection body with me. If you have more information, or if you have any questions or more uh, follow-ups that you'd like for Kevin to answer, he has a website. It's letthebiblespeak.tv. Now, as you probably heard from our time together, Kevin is a very polished speaker. His uh, Let the Bible Speak television program, which is similar to Brett Hickey's Let the Bible Speak television program, airs across the country. And not only that, Kevin actually was a television anchor for a number of years, and so he's trained uh, in the art of speaking either for television or for a podcast such as this, you can tell that I obviously am not trained for it. But I appreciate his talents. I appreciate his ability to come on the show. And like I said, if you want to learn more about his work and the ministry that he does, you can see several videos and uh, how well they're done at www.letthebiblespeak.tv. You can also go to the website pureandsimplebible.com and you'll find a lot of great resources there. And I encourage you, those of you who are listening to this on the browser, go subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on SoundCloud or Apple Podcast or on Spotify. I also have Google Music. I have no idea how many people are using that one. But when you subscribe to the podcast, it'll download to your phone or tablet every single week 
without you having to go and find out which one has come up and when it's going to be downloaded. It'll do it all for you. And so while you're driving or while you're uh, folding laundry or if you're doing the dishes, if you're uh, with your family, as I've heard some people do, if you're wanting to include this in your evening family worship time, you can subscribe and it'll be downloaded to your device and you'll be ready to go uh, the next time. And all you got to do is hit play. So this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.